You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh with my co-host, Robert Jackson. What's up, Rob? Dude, Josh, it has been far too long. Dude, thanks for having me on. This is this is going to be a blast, and I'm excited to to bring this to our listeners. Yeah, it's been it's been a few years. Uh, we were we were reminiscing on how long it's been since we've done anything like this, and it's been at least six years since uh, the two of us have uh, jumped into the podcast world, or long time ago, the Crimson Corner on TV and and different things that way. But the uh, Crimson Corner that was still one of our greatest ideas that we <laughs> we came up with. I love that idea still. But, but, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, we could do, right? First off, we have to is. make sure, are we okay to use the in front of the Utah Checkdown podcast? You know, it is, cop- it is copyrighted, so we're going to have to check with the Ohio State University, but, uh, you know, maybe we can fit it in. I don't know. Maybe if Utah, See if we have the budget for it. If Utah had won the, the Rose Bowl, do, does Utah get the rights to the? Is that how Ooh, that works? Maybe that, that's, that. a, that's a good point. You know, maybe if, uh, you know, Utah could actually get uh, a stop on fourth and one, one of uh, those times, maybe. I don't know. Hey, remember. Interesting to think about. Makai Bernard is just a running back, though. I play running back. <laughs> you know, it, it, this, this is an exciting time for Utah football. Like, you know, you're counting down, like, I go back to when we were doing this, you know, six years ago, Utah was getting ready to play the first game for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Um, they, were, they were coming to town. It was going to be a big Fox game day. They were going to do the the live show in the stadium. Everybody was super excited. Utah kind of is in that same position this year where they're going into play Florida, SEC country, uh, with all of the realignment talk and everything that's happening, you know, with power two, power five, whatever you want to call it. Utah's going to go play at one of the toughest places in all of college football to play. And this is one of, I mean, Utah's more well-prepared team. So I'm not going to say they're going to come out and win. I'm not, I'm not going to make any predictions like that right now, but this is an exciting time. And if you're a Utah football fan, you got to feel pretty good right now. Absolutely. And we'll obviously break down that, that game as it comes closer, as we get into it, as fall camp starts heading in and, and all those different things. Um, but we're excited to be with you. Uh, we, we're, we're happy to do this. Uh, it, for those that, that may not know who we are, uh, I'm, I'm Josh Furlong. I, I cover the team as the, the, the Everybody beat knows who you are, that's, Josh. That's Come not on. true. <laughs> well, BYU fans love me because some, for some reason I'm this diehard Utah fan <laughs> that disrespects. Uh, I think you have your own tab on Cougar Board, by no, the way. I, I, I think it's there. It's, it's definitely there. So, um, I am I am not a diehard Ute fan. I I am sorry. I, I hate to break that. So, um, but the, <laughs> there we go. But uh, and then uh, Robert Jackson, he uh, he was the the OG beat writer for KSL.com. He's the one that got KSL.com into the Utah Athletics Department to be able to let us report. So uh, we're we're happy to have him. He's he's kind of uh, done a little bit different stuff lately, but he's still lurking in the background uh, of the college football world, right? Uh, you know, I I, uh, <clears throat> I try to be more of a casual fan these days, you know, less uh, day in and day out reporting. But uh, you know, I I've always been passionate about Utah athletics. The first season that we did anything like this was the 2008 season, and obviously that was a dream season to to be a part of. Um, you know, going into again going into Michigan, I think it was Rich Rod's first game as head coach of uh, Michigan that year. But uh, that to cap it all off with the uh, Sugar Bowl win over Alabama, obviously that was a dream season. And, you know, Utah football has had its ups and downs with its transition through the Pac-12. And 
will the Pac-12 even be around, you know, in the next three years? I don't know. It's it's interesting to see all this realignment stuff shake out and following the rumblings. And I will tell you one thing, Josh, is that anybody that's reporting anything on Twitter doesn't know what anything about what they're talking about. <laughs> you mean and we're not going to get random everybody sources? Everybody these sources. There's probably like three people in the entire Pac-12 that actually knows what's going on. And I guarantee you that none of them are on Twitter. I, I, I guarantee it. Well, so. my, my favorite is it's like everybody has a source and they're these same athletic sources that people have. But the reality is, is this type of news, the conference realignment doesn't come from the athletic department. It's going to come from, you know, President Randall's no. office or somebody else's office that way. You're going to have completely different sources for that. And, and, and the fact that we're getting so many different people talking about these things, it, it kind of becomes ludicrous. It's also fun, right? I mean, I get it. It's fun to be able to debate, yeah. but it, it is kind of hilarious. It, it to is see. super fun to speculate. And and it and it's fun to 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 kind of <clears throat> think well what, you know where could Utah be in all this Utah could be playing you know Clemson in the ACC or they could be playing um, you know Iowa State in the Big Twelve whatever it might be you know just be a fan of the team and be excited you know it's it's fun it's fun to speculate but let uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't stay up at night reading these uh, message board bloggers because honestly they don't know um, have there been meetings we don't know. You know, there's been reports that, you know, Colorado, Arizona, even Utah had late night meetings and they were talking about, uh, uh, you know, splintering off into the Big 12. We don't know that, you know, so there's there's no sense in uh, wondering what might be in, in the sense, especially when you, uh, you know, for Utah, they, they've kind of built their foundation over these last few years. And th- and this is kind of the capstone. Like you, you win the conference last year. You're... I, I mean, the, the media poll will come out next week for media day, Pac-12 media day. And I would anticipate that they're at least first, if not second at worst for repeat champ um, going in. I, have you submitted your ballot yet? I have to submit it by Friday. So I've got one more day, okay. but my, my plan is to put Utah at number one. And, and I would anticipate a lot of coaches and media doing the same thing. I, I I can see the potential sway for Lincoln Riley getting the the uncertainty vote, you know, being like, oh, well, you know, they're going to be a lot better. Yeah, they, they will be better. I mean, four wins was a disastrous season for them last year. They will be better this year. But are they going to be good enough to beat Utah in Salt Lake City? It remains to be seen. Well, and that's, and that's the funny thing, like, right? We don't know anything about all this stuff. Right now, I think everybody is, is you know, speculating on everything, and that, and that exists with, you know, realignment. That exists with what team is going to be Utah. Are they a college football contender, playoff contender? You know, those types of things. We, we have no idea. Um, and the reality is, is like, you look at this, we're going back into that conference realignment, Utah, Utah's in, in a fine position, right? Like everybody is kind of worried, okay, where's Utah going to be? And you can hear different speculation. Oh, they're, they're going to the big 10. They're going to the ACC. They're going to the SEC. I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. Quite honestly, Utah has built itself into a position that, that allows itself to be flexible, but also be in, in the best position possible. Now, does that mean they're going back to the mountain West conference? I don't think so. I don't think that that's re realistic, but at the same time, who cares? 
right? Utah, Utah has found a way to be able to do whatever they can, right? And I think, you know, you know, the, the biggest issue lately was just like, oh, the Big 12 isn't going to merge with the Pac-12. But the reality is, why? Why does it matter? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to be able to merge those two conferences together other than trying to pair that up as to be able to create a Power 3 conference. But the realistic expectation there is that's not going to be it, right? It doesn't make right. financial sense. It doesn't work. Those programs are about as opposed as possible, right? Like the Pac-12 is probably more aligned with the ACC or any of these other conferences than they are with the Big 12. And that's that's fine. That's not a bad thing. That's not a slight at the Big 12. The Big 12 is a fantastic conference. But the reality is, is there's just so much at play here. And, you know, a lot of these conferences that, you know, those presidents, they want to be with like-minded people. You know, that's why you hear about the the AAU affiliation and the education aspects and, and all those different things. Yes, this is very well, very much so football driven. But at the end of the day, it's also about who these guys want to be associated with. And how do you pair that? What do the TV contracts do? This is obviously ESPN Fox trying to do a bunch of stuff. So it's it's going to be an interesting time, but I, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You know, we've got until about August 4th until we find out what the, the media rights look like with, with the Pac-12. They obviously opened up their window to be able to explore that. They have a 30-day window, which does expire on August 4th. So I wouldn't be surprised if by... Pac-12 Media Day, George Klyavkov has at least something to talk about, at least to see a media valuation for the Pac-12. I, I will say that going into Media Day that he does need a win. Um, I mean, to be blindsided by the news of your two biggest teams, and not two best performing, uh, but your two biggest teams as far as the biggest market um, to walk away, to go and kind of be blindsided by this. I mean, everybody was, was, was singing Kumbaya with this, you know, big, um, you know, alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Well, I mean, the Big Ten just gave the Pac-12 the middle finger and said, we're going to do what we want. And, and, and it comes down to the media partners, right? They're the ones calling the shots. They think that, hey, we can get, you know, $100 million more per team by bringing in the LA market. And they, and they, and they did it. And the Pac-12 was... um cop blindsided by it i mean that's i mean one year ago he was put in office as the commissioner of the pac-12 and that was his one year anniversary present was hey now i got to deal with the the ramifications from this i want to get your thoughts on what the state of the pac-12 is because i think that i mean it was such a big blow but it, it reminds me very much so of last year when texas and oklahoma left the Big 12, and now all of a sudden everybody's saying, oh, the Big 12 is so stable. What's different? They went and got four uh, really good schools and and added them to the roster, but but that's it. I mean, they didn't renegotiate their media deal. They haven't really done anything other than making it uh, seem like we're, we're stable for now. What can the Pac-12 do um, to make it... <sighs> To, to, to make to make all the other schools, I guess, want to be there and to drive up fan interest. What do you think that they need to do? Well, that that's the interesting point, right? I mean, I think everybody initially was like, okay, Oregon, Washington's next. They want to go. But from the onset, you know, if Oregon and Washington were going, they would have gone with UCLA and USC. I don't think the Big Ten is trying to do this in piecemeal. They're trying to just do whatever they can. Now, that's not to say that Oregon and Washington can't go elsewhere. So that still kind of puts the conference in 
in this this tough spot. Um, but but the state of the Pac-12, quite honestly, is is pretty much the same as it's always been. USC and UCLA, they they haven't really done much for the conference lately. Now I'm saying that knowing that people are going to say, oh, you know, they're they're not valuable. No, they're 100% valuable assets, right? They have the LA market that's a recruiting base as well. They are big names. They're you know USC is like a Texas. Texas's name is going to carry on for as long as they can. Doesn't matter if they're winning. You know, USC has been a little better than Texas in the recent years, so at least they've had that. But the, the reality is losing those two schools does suck, right? Like, that, that is hard for the Pac-12 conference to absorb. That's different. So it's, it's not like it's all sunshine and rainbows in the Pac-12, but at the same time, I don't think it's as, a, as dire a situation as everybody makes it in the sense that, like, we have to act fast and we have to just do whatever we need to. Now, with that said, you know, the, the Pac-12 does need to be ambitious and they need to move and they need to be able to figure out what's best for them. That could be exploring, you know, alternate possibilities that, that we don't even know about to this day, right? Everybody wants to sit here and say, okay, well, you have to add, you know, San Diego State or SMU or, or different things that way. And I'm not saying that that's not a good idea. I think actually adding San Diego State probably could be a good idea, at least gets you back into that, you know, Southern California market. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily drive the needle, Right. What, what no. is ESPN and Fox going to want? Now, Fox is probably outside. They're not going to worry about the Pac-12. They're still technically part of the configuration because they have to be able to, to bid on it. Um, but the realistic partner here is ESPN. You get those late-night windows. You get the West Coast front. You get ESPN that can have broadcasting from you know, sunup to sundown. They also have the linear networks to be able to do it. They have ESPN+, Plus, ESPN3, all these different things that allow them to be able to be more marketable. Now... With that being said, yeah, you know, the Pac-12 is going to get a far less evaluation than they were, you know, a year ago in the sense that you've lost your two L.A. schools and that's a huge amount of viewership. But at the same time, I don't think it's quite as dire. Now, could the conference absolutely blow up 100%? Could the Big 12 or another conference poach some of these remaining Pac-12 members? 100%. And, and quite honestly... You know, if it, depending on how you want to go, if you think Oregon and Washington are going to screw you over and you're not going to be in a good situation, those four corner schools 100% have more leverage, I think, than Oregon and Washington. Because at the same time, Oregon and Washington are waiting for that big payday, right? They're waiting to get to the Big Ten. They're, you know, that's where they expect themselves to be. But at the same time, if those four corner schools just decide to say, okay, actually, we do align with the Big 12 or some other conference, this is where we want to go, that puts tremendous pressure on Oregon and Washington, and now they've lost the power, right? You know, there's a lot of reports out there that say, oh, we're going to have an unequal revenue share because Oregon and Washington need to be able to be appeased. That hasn't necessarily worked out in in past conferences. It it, it doesn't work well, and so I don't know if that's the great plan plus if you know you're one of those other four schools not that arizona or colorado necessarily have the play that utah or arizona state would but at the same time now you have all the leverage like it just depends on how you want to do it so i don't know i think it's an interesting time i you know i don't think it's quite dire yet but uh it'll be it'll be interesting for sure nor do i think anything is going to be set in stone over the these you know next few days i I think it's going to take a few weeks for one, we have to wait for the the exclusive negotiation window, like you're talking about. August fourth is the the key day for that 30 day window for the Pac-12 and its media negotiations. And that doesn't mean that they have to accept a deal by August fourth. That just means that ESPN has until the fourth, and then after that, then they open it up to the open market. And you know, you, you look at how many streaming providers there are uh, out there. I mean, obviously, as a sports product, you would want to be on. ESPN, right? That's 
that's that's the key. That's the that's linchpin. Well, and you have but to for those there, those tier one rights, you know. Oh yeah, right. But I, I think there are other alternatives for maybe tier two, tier three rights that you know maybe. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, uh, I don't want to have to get Apple TV or I don't want to have to get you know. It, whatever they choose, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier than trying to get the Pac-12 network. I mean, let's be honest. That was that was a joke. The fact that it was never on DirecTV was one of Larry Scott's biggest failures. And you could point it and say, oh, that's, that's on Larry Scott. Or you could point it at Pac-12 fan apathy. If enough people were up in arms and saying, hey, I'm going to cancel my DirecTV because it doesn't have Pac-12 network, DirecTV would get Pac-12 network. But nobody did. Or not enough people did. Nobody and that's cared. The thing is, <laughs> nobody cares. And you go to some of these games. I, I watched the, the the Stanford Utah game last year. There were probably a hundred people in the stands, and that's not an exaggeration. You can go back and watch it. I mean, that, it was a that Friday was Stanford night game. fans. The Utah fans. It, there's definitely more, but you're right. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's that that's what we're doing. I mean, you you, you go through the Pac-12. And you have a very passionate fan base in Oregon. Washington is a very passionate fan base. Outside of that, if your team's not doing well, there just seems to be a lot of fan apathy. And, you know, and that's one of the biggest draws, I would say, you know, from a football-only perspective to going to the Big 12, to going to a packed stadium, whether your team is 2-12 and or whatever it might be, those teams have very passionate fan bases. You know, I've been to Ames, Iowa. It's it's a great place. They have great food. The fans are in- incredible. And yeah, it's it's not it's not SoCal, but no place is going to be like SoCal. You you, you can't go to the beach in in Portland. It's too cold, right? <laughs> so it's it's like you, you take away Southern California, the Pac-12. Yeah, there, there's some fun cities. The Bay the Bay Area is fun. Tucson, Phoenix, yeah, that's fun. Seattle, yeah, it's great, and, it, and it's going to be way better from a, you know, travel perspective than, you know, going to Morgantown or Manhattan, Kansas. I get that. But as far as just from a football only perspective, the tailgating, the environment, those fans are way more passionate than the Pac-12 has been. That doesn't mean that that can't flip. I just think something needs to excite these Pac-12 fans. And I just don't know what it is. And going into the media day, if silence is Klavikov's worst enemy, in my opinion, you can't go in there and not make any announcements. It, it, to, to me, it, it would remind me exactly of what Jim Phillips did with the ACC Media Day. I mean, it was just kind of a whole hum status quo. Here we go. Like, no excitement at all. Um, and, and that would be disastrous for the Pac-12. They need something, something to unite them, something to um, unite the fan bases and get them excited about sticking together. And you talk about San Diego State, SMU. I think that those, those are probably the two highest teams, at least on my watch list, about who I would be excited. If you're looking at, again, a football-only perspective, you would look at, okay, well, Fresno State and Boise, those are great football schools. But what else do they bring? And you have to look at the big picture, right? Like, are they re- research institutions? Are they? How are they going to do in the other sports? And then how much of a TV draw are they going to bring in? Like Boise has 500 TV or 500,000 TV households. They're not going to move the needle. They're not going to, you you can't take them to the negotiating table and say, Hey, ESPN, we just got Boise state. We want a ton more money. Now, would they increase the, um, the product on the field? Yes, they would. Absolutely. Boise state is a, is a great football team. Fresno state, the same thing, but they're not going to drive the needle. Uh, you know, I would say SMU, San Diego state, they're probably not going to drive the needle either. However, I would say that they're probably a little bit more revenue neutral. Whereas if you do add them, I can see them saying, okay, you're just adding, I think San Diego's in the top 15 
TV markets. You can correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think Dallas you're right. is obviously a huge one. Now SMU is not going to have a huge, you know, draw compared to you know Texas, but it is still a, a big media market. And well, so, and you get the recruiting there too. Yeah, hey, hey, you know, Utah Utah's done really well recruiting in the state of Texas. Some of their um, some of their key players. I know that Morgan Scally um, is one of the bigger recruiters in the state of Texas, and, and you know, yeah, just you know, from a, a fan's perspective, I think that Utah needs to play more in Texas. And so, selfishly, you know, if you can't have Southern California, yeah, you know, why not the Big Twelve? <laughs> Well, and it's, you know, and, and none of this is going to be settled here. Like you said, you know, George Klyavkov is going to come in on Friday, next Friday, and uh, he's he's going to be able to give some updates. How awkward assuming. is that going to be? Let's oh, be honest. For sure. How awkward is that? It, it, it's in Hollywood, right? So yeah. <laughs> downtown LA, it's it's literally, well, last year it was in, in Hollywood. This year it'll be downtown LA. So you're literally in the heart of where these two programs are gone. And, yeah. you know, now what do you do? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if after this year everything gets moved to Vegas, as everything is expected to. But, you know, right. I, you know, George is, George is a savvy guy, and I think, you know, he's, he's going to be able to, it, I don't want to say spin it, but that's probably the best way of saying it, spin it in a way that is going to make sense. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to have some, some great answers on, on Friday, but I think he's going to at least be better prepared to see maybe what his conference is valued at and at least understand that, you know. And I think in the coming weeks, we're going to have a far better idea. You know, Notre Dame is still trying to figure out their stuff. They've got to be able to see, you know, if they can get any money out of NBC more than they are making right now. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. And, and quite honestly, like, you know, we've got you covered. We've got John Wilner that, that has been covering a lot of this for the Pac-12. You know, we, we uh, take his content. We, we, you know, love John. He's a great uh, partner of our, our website, and um, yeah, he's, he's on the forefront of that. So, you know, we're happy to, to write a bunch of stories as well, and, and we're going to have him and, and a bunch of others, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast here one of these days to, to chat about it. But um, for the time being, conference realignment, we're just going to, Pretend it doesn't exist to some extent. Uh, it obviously does exist, but there's there's better things to talk about because college football is on its way. US, UCLA and USC are still in the conference. You've got a bunch of stuff that uh, you know is going to happen. So just want to make sure that we are uh, recognizing the main point that college football is on the way. So with that, um, it, what, what are we down to? Is it like 42 days? It's some, know, you... uh, something like that. Yeah. 45, Under 45, yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when, when, once you start getting into Camp Kyle, um, fall camp, uh, things start to to ramp up as far as you know articles and previews and all that stuff. And and yeah, make sure that you're coming back to KSL.com because Josh and his team do wonderful work of covering not only Utah but the other local teams as well. And one of the things that has caught my attention is how much preseason publicity Utah is getting and and it is well deserved in my opinion you you everybody's like oh you went you know toe-to-toe with Ohio State and the Rose Bowl they were minus like three guys those are all NFL guys you know how many times have you seen two wide receivers go in the top 10 of the NFL draft from the same team I mean that's unheard of I mean that's (laughs) I mean and I mean Utah didn't have the depth to to finish off Ohio State. They they played them as well as they could have. They did. They they missed you know a, a couple of key players from injury, whatever it might be. Depth. The fact is is that you took uh, an instant classic. It was probably one of the top five Rose Bowls of the 
at least the last five years and you took them down to the wire. And so Ohio state's going to be in your top five and a lot of preseason publications have Utah, you know, you know, number four, number seven, some, you know, as low as number 10, I think ESPN had them at number 13 and the way too early FPI or whatever they call it. So what do you think about this Utah team? Is this, I mean, are they over, hyped or do you think it's all deserved? Well, I think that's the interesting part, right? I think you're, you're looking at it and everybody's going to give them the, the credit from the Ohio state game for, I, you know, I've, I've covered Utah for almost a decade now and Utah doesn't really get a lot of love and losses, right? Like it's always like, Oh, Utah was a downer then, you know, they still can't do what they need to do. This was one of the first years where a loss was okay. You know, you lost to Ohio state, which is a perennial college football playoff contender. You know, some argued that they should have been there last year. I mean, they, they didn't quite have the pieces fully put together, but you know, they're a phenomenal team and they have been phenomenal for a long time. And so the fact that Utah can go toe to toe actually went up on them by a couple touchdowns and then, you know, had some things fall apart. You didn't have, you know, depth at cornerback that, that, that really could have hurt, helped you. So I think Utah gets a lot of benefit from that. Now, on top of that, now you're coming into this next season and you've basically got the same players, right? Yeah, you lose Devin Lloyd, which, you know, can't be understated, right? Devin Lloyd was a huge linchpin for that defense, phenomenal leader, great asset on the team. You do lose that aspect, but you do bring in a lot of talent. You bring in guys that, you know, are ready to go. They're able to step in. There's going to be a bit of a backslide there. I don't know how much, and we'll find out. You know, that first game against Florida is going to be a quick, quick way to find out. But at the same time, you know, they're getting a lot of credit. And so now, I, you know, you know, pick six preview, um, they, they, you know, Brett Sienza, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, he, he put Utah at number four. That's the highest I've seen Utah. Um, he sees them as a college football playoff contender. He sees them in his final college football playoff spots. And so you, you get that high. Like you said, ESPN was somewhere around 13. You've got Phil still seven or, or six, wherever, depending on polls that he chooses, Athlon's eight. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things. Now, from somebody that covers the team, yes, Utah 100% has the capability to be there. Um, it, it's hard. I can see them in the top 10 where I would put them. I will put them here soon. I've got to, to put my AP top 25 ballot out soon. Um, I, I don't know yet. I've got to establish that. I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't think they're overrated by any means. I think when you're looking from a preseason standpoint, they have consistency, they have the talent, they have guys that have been able to be there. They obviously can, you know, roll over opponents like they did against Oregon twice last year. And then you go toe to toe with Ohio state that, that matters, right? And as much as everybody wants to complain about, oh, brand name, brand name, brand name, the, the reality is is teams that, that are going to be consistent are always going to be rated higher, right? Alabama, you don't even have to look at them and you're always going to rate them one to three, right? And, and almost one every single year. And so I think right. Utah, I don't want to say Utah is in that same category, right? Like, the, you know, we're not going to say that. That's not where this is at. But I think because of Kyle Whittingham and what Utah did last year, that gives them that instant credibility that allows them to say, okay, they very well could be a preseason top 10 team. And that's great because I think that fits. I don't think that means they're overrated. Does that mean Utah will finish in the top 10? Who knows, right? Like they could go into that Florida game and they could lose horribly. They could lose close. They could win. They could win big. Who knows? But I think as you're going into this season, I think the rankings are probably accurate. It, it, it's hard to say that. I know a lot of Utah fans, you know, back in the day used to get really scared with that. They didn't want to be too high, too quick, or do different things. They didn't want to talk about championships, and they didn't want to talk about college football playoffs. But I think you're starting to get a different sentiment there that, you know, I, it, it's not like 
it's it's conceited or proudful or anything, but I think you're starting to get a fan base that recognizes that if things continue, this is where Utah should be, right? If you want Utah right. to continue to move those those um, benchmarks and do different things, this is where you have to be and you have to live in that world. That just goes to to speak of the how far Utah's program has come. I mean, I grew up <clears throat> as a 90s Utah fan going to, you know, the Mac kids in the North End Zone. I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of listeners out there that, that were in the same boat where, you know, where Utah would thrive as the underdog. Um, the, 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 the main quote going into the Utah-Alabama Sugar Bowl game was, you know, Utah will be lucky to, to keep it within three touchdowns. You know, that that was the the, the thought, and that's what kind of <laughs> what made, you know, uh, Utah fans out of us, right? Like we we loved cheering for the underdog. We loved seeing the the David go up against the Goliath. And and you know, since Utah's been in the Pac-12, it's not David versus Goliath anymore. It's Utah having to build itself up to be able to maintain that. And yeah, it, it's been probably more difficult than we all anticipated. Um, you know, I. I, I'm sure that you can go back and watch some of our old, you know, podcasts or Crimson Corner episodes, whatever you might call them. Uh, years ago, like, oh yeah, Utah will be fine. You know, give it two, three years, and they'll be able to compete in the Pac-12. It probably took closer to ten. You know, let's be honest. Well, just, just them, think about it. It took, it took them ten years to win the first conference championship. Which, you know, you, you look at some of the other schools in the South, Cough, Cough, Arizona, Arizona State, <laughs> that, that haven't done it in a very long time. You know, like that's it's not as easy as. You know, it was in the Mountain West. Well, but look, look at that 2008 year. Florida was the one that went number one, took Alabama's spot in the national championship, right? Now right. you've got Utah playing Florida. Now, granted, Florida has has dropped. So I don't want to sit there and say that Florida is at the same level that they were back in 2008. But to that same vein, Utah's not in that same level, right? I think no. they've, they've grown. They've got the depth. But the fact that you can go into that game, you've got that matchup as the first thing. It's one of the top 10 pro, um, matchups of the season that people are looking forward to. And it's pretty much a, a 50-50 pick em game, that says a lot about the Utah program, right? It also right. says, you know, what, what Florida is. So I don't want to sit here and, like, over overhype that. But at the same time, like what you said, it was, it was you know, would be wonderful if, if Utah could compete with Alabama. A lot of people would say. I, I wasn't covering college football at that time. Quite honestly, I didn't actually like college football at the time, so I didn't pay attention that much. Um, but I had a coworker that was a huge Alabama fan. His family was all Alabama and I remember him just kind of like completely decimating the Utes. He just said, I have no reason to believe that they would do anything. And then all of a sudden they come out and they do what they do. But that was still a bit of a shock, right? Like one game can be won. We get it. But now you have Utah that is consistently at that level. They're, they're, you know, they may not win all those big games. They still have to show that they can win the big bowl games. We haven't quite seen that over the last few years. But they're now at that same level that they can compete. They're getting the talent. They're getting the recruits. They're doing all these things that at least put them there. Are they quite to that blue chip level? No, but they're getting there. And right. those, bench, those benchmarks keep moving, and they keep going up. All right, and, and, and those benchmarks will continue to go up as far as the uh, the separation between the, the, the haves and the have-nots. You know, if, if Florida is getting $100 million a year from its media contract and Utah is getting – 25 30 million dollars a year that's that's a lot of <laughs> i mean that's a lot of resources that you could get um i mean i i heard the other day that uh, ohio state has like 35 different sports psychologists on its uh training staff between the different departments that that to me like i mean you think about what you're doing in, in a sport to to have that mental advantage over your opponent i mean that 
that just speaks to the discrepancy between the haves and the have nots. And so my hope for Utah going into this Florida game is that they, that they come out, that they're disciplined. This isn't like last year where they came out, you know, playing five games from a COVID season. They didn't know who their quarterback was going to be. They didn't know, you know, the offensive line was, was, was shaky. You know, they started off, you know, going, you know, struggling, you know, yeah, they, they beat Weber state, but they struggled. They lost to BYU. They lost to San Diego state. Everybody thought the sky was falling to me, you know, into this Florida game for Utah, the the key, uh, the key will be, and and fans are going to notice this, you know, no one remembers that the PAC 12 only played five games in 2020, right? Like that was such a weird season. And uh, you know, I was able to actually attend some of those home games because they needed a, a, a official meteorologist, you know, on staff. And uh, that's what I got my degree in from the University of Utah, 2007. Yeah, yeah. You know, pat myself on the back, whatever. But uh, <laughs> to, to, to be there and to hear the coaches yelling on the sideline, it was just it was just awkward. And it was a weird you know, prison like environment. Yeah. And, and the fact that Utah, you know, like, OK, we want you to go to a bowl game and the players, the players, not the coaches, but the players are like, no, nah, we're good. We've, we, we need a break. Like that was a, a tough time for the Utah football family. And then you roll in everything that happened with Ty Jordan uh, over the Christmas holiday and, and how heartbreaking that was. And then you, you have uh, Aaron Lowe, um, how that kind of shook the, the foundation of, you know, Utah football. And it took everything that Kyle Whittingham had to kind of s- steer the ship and hold everybody together uh, emotionally um, and the fact that Utah won the Pac-12 championship, you, you, you could credit the players, I mean, for, you know, coming together, um, and rallying behind the, you know, their fallen teammates. But that to me was, uh, that was on the coaching staff, bringing the unity of the Utah football family. And that's, and that's their biggest pitch in recruiting, right? It's, it, it's different up here, you know, in Salt Lake city, it's a, it's a family type environment. And I, I, I think that, you know, Long com- coming around, going into this this Florida game, you, you don't have the uncertainty of um, who is going to be your starting quarterback. There's no, there's no Cam Rising is going to be your starting quarterback. You know who your offensive line is going to be. You know who your running back is going to be. You take away all of that uh, uncertainty. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Josh creating doubt here you, on uh, the Checkdown podcast. You're, you're doubting you, you Jalen Glover. I'm just saying. And you know, I don't think that the. I mean. Uh, a lot of people put a lot of blame on Charlie Brewer and it's unfortunate because as a quarterback, you, you, you either get the credit or you get the blame, right? Like you, it's just, that just comes with the, the, the territory. Um, it's, it's like being a pitcher in baseball, right? Like you could be outstanding at what you do, but if your team can't field, you know, you're, you're not going to win a lot of games. Like look at, look at the angels, you know, uh, <laughs> hottest team to nothing. Yeah. I, I think that, <sighs> you change the quarterback, you know, halfway through the San Diego state game, and you could see the chemistry of the team change. You could see the players doing everything that they possibly could for Utah to win that game. Whereas everything up until that point was just going through the motions. Like I'm going to do my job and I, you know, I'm going to go out and block and I'm going to run this route, but it wasn't, cohesive at all and you know san diego state you know ripped us apart and all of a sudden you put in a different quarterback and it looks like a completely different team and you could see that throughout the rest of the season and 
I, I think that that momentum is going to carry into the Florida game. You know, Florida is going to be bringing in a brand new coach, you know, uh, but it's still the SEC. There's still a lot of uh, fanfare, pomp, circumstance that goes into, you know, um, game days in Gainesville. And it's not going to be an easy place for Utah to play, but I think that they're coming in with the foundation and structure that is light years ahead of where Utah was going into Provo last season um, with all of the question marks. I mean, yeah, Utah beat Weber State the week before, but it wasn't very, it wasn't very convincing. It wasn't like, if you're like thinking like, oh, you know, like whenever you play those FCS teams, you don't learn anything. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you lost, you would know that your team is just, you know, not very good that year, but uh, you don't, you know, from a, from a win, Hey, you, you can't take anything away from that. So, well, and it's an interesting point. You, you kind of lead into kind of something that I'm working on next week. I'm, I'm putting out my um, predictions for the schedule. So I break this up into two parts. I do the first six games and then the last six games and kind of see where we're at. You know, you're, you're talking about the Florida game and that's obviously the biggest one, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, your thoughts, you know, after six games, four or five, six games, you kind of generally know where team's at, right? That doesn't mean things can't change in the second half and Utah, obviously that November curse and everything people used to, to, to say, but you, you know what your team is at by game four five and six. Now, with that said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know spill my my what I'm gonna put out there necessarily. But I'm curious your thoughts at the end of the sixth game, which happens to be UCLA the week before USC. So you get two back to back LA schools. Where is Utah? Do you see them six and zero? Do you see them with a loss? Uh, you know you've, you you don't necessarily have some tough competition in there. You've got Oregon State, Arizona State, Southern or Southern Utah, UCLA, uh, Florida is obviously the big name. Uh, where where do you th- think Utah is, and what do you think their expectation should be if they want to kind of get to where they need to be? Well, to get to where they want to be or where I think that they should be are, are two completely different things because I think that this team has the, the capability to repeat everything that they did last season. Um, that being said... So you're going to lose to San Diego State? I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> Zing! Sorry. I mean, at home, man. <laughs> I... To to me, I look at this. I look at this Florida game as kind of the uh, the kicker, right? So, I I think that Utah beating Florida would do more for the Pac-12 as a whole and the perception as a whole than it does necessarily for Utah. I think that Utah, if they go out and if they play hard, they lose by three. No one's going to say that Utah is sinking as a program. No one's going to say that Utah's, you know, slumping or, you know, they're not good enough. Everybody's going to say, yeah, Utah's a good team. They, they went toe to toe with a, uh, an sec, you know, typical, you know, I don't know what the sec projections are for this year, but I would anticipate, you know, Florida being in the middle of the pack um, just like they've been for the last few years. I, I, I think that it would go more for the pack 12 if Utah came out and won and say, oh, wow, like there is football actually being played west of the Mississippi River, because a lot of people forget that. Like the, the, you look at the, the you know, it, the, the conference hasn't done itself any favors. You know, USC, UCLA, they haven't done any favors for the conference in the last 10 years, right? Like what USC went and played Alabama two, three years ago, and they lost 52 to six. Yeah, you know, it's not like close. That, that's, that's kind of the, the perception of the conference right now is that it is a second class conference. And so 
not only do you have Utah playing Florida, you have uh, Oregon playing at Georgia, or is it a neutral site game? It's technically neutral, but yeah, (laughs) neutral in Atlanta is hardly neutral. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of like, you know, when Utah played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, it was a neutral (laughs) site game, right? It was was close. (laughs) I, you know, that those two games could just work wonders for the Pac-12 this year. And I, I think, now more than ever they need that publicity they need that that momentum and uh, you know if if utah or if oregon is able to defeat you know the defending national champs you know that i mean that speaks volumes in and of Dan itself right? gets his previous team i mean come on i i i, I don't see it happening but it, it could right you know, but I, I do see Utah going in and at least being competitive uh, against Florida. Now, that being said, Utah could come out and they could lose by 30 and we're all scratching their heads. Uh, I see him rebounding against Southern Utah the next week, regardless. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that Utah would lose two years in a row to San Diego State. But, you know, if they don't come in prepared, you know, you, that that's why they play the game. San Diego State Arizona has a good State. defense. People forget yeah. that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that's... You know, I, I see Utah at worst being five and one uh, through these first six games. And I don't want to take away anything that you're working on for your preview. But I think the five and one coming out of those first six games would be. Um, yeah, I, I, I see it being a, a solid foundation into repeating as potential Pac-12 champions once again. And I so agree with it, that, it, though. I think you have to go 5-1, and one, right? At, at the very least, yeah. right? If, at the it, very least, and you have to go 5-1. And that one has to be at least to Florida or to UCLA. If you lose to UCLA, that's at least palatable. UCLA is still going to... Yeah. UCLA, I can't even talk today, is going to be a good program. But you lose to San Diego State or Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State's improving. Don't get me wrong. I love Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, and I love what he's doing with that program. But you can't lose to Oregon State, right? You, if you're going to lose, not, it not has two to be years in a row either. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to you have to be able to do it. You have to come out of there either unscathed, or you have to be able to be five and one, or or else it doesn't really matter. I mean, the reality is that second half of that schedule for Utah is far more difficult. You're at USC, or no, USC's coming here. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. But then you're at Oregon. You're you know you're in Eugene. That's where I meant to go. But I think you know you've got the more difficult part on the second part of the season. You have to be able to, to figure that out, right? Especially, in, well, I, I guess unless, you know, USC or Oregon have some problems, you know, down the way, you, you don't have a lot of error here. USC has a phenomenal schedule in the sense that they don't really play a lot of people that are going to be tough this year. They've got a lot of talent. They have an easy path there. So if somebody picked USC as number one in the Pac-12 media poll, I wouldn't at all be surprised because they have an easy path. They've got Lincoln Riley. Right. They've got Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. They've got a million people but at the the very end of the day, it's that schedule, right? So I, I agree with you. Right. I mean, the UCLA or USC's hardest two games at Utah, uh, October fifteenth, and then at uh, UCLA. Which I mean, the Rose Bowl hasn't been a formidable home game as far as uh, for UCLA. I mean, those, um, yeah. I mean, you're not going to get a, a huge hometown. Um, they partition off there. half the stadium, <laughs> I mean, honestly. I mean, like, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's incredible to go to a UCLA game. You and I have been to that game many times. It's fun to be able to be there. It's the Rose Bowl. But it, it's just so different. You, you've got so many sections partitioned off because they can't fill in that many people. And then you go right. to the Rose Bowl, the actual Rose Bowl, and that place is full. It's, it's incredible to yeah. be in that environment when it's actually full and to see it. Now, now like you said, UCLA is never going to fill that up. 
even if they're really good and they're national, you know, championship contending team. But I think it's a different environment. And, you know, USC, Utah is the game for USC, right? Like, that's it. If they can win that, unless they slip up somewhere, which they will, like, let's be real. I don't imagine them going undefeated. They have a real easy path there. So you you talk about USC. I mean, they're going to defeat Rice. I mean, let's be honest. Rice is... (laughs) is awful Stanford that's a that's a you know it's a who knows um, right you know (laughs) the Stanford that I saw last year was awful (laughs) so I mean until I'm seen otherwise I'm just gonna pencil in Stanford as just being awful and Fresno State at home that that's gonna be a tough game because Fresno State is where Utah used to be right they're they're the outsiders looking in and they took Oregon in Eugene down to the wire last season um, and they also defeated, uh, who did Fresno beat last year? Not, and I'm going to, you know, question myself. They took somebody to like triple over to, it was UCLA, right? Mm-hmm. They, they took them in, um, in Pasadena. Nonetheless, they beat them. Um, so I, to me that that's a game that Fresno state could easily win. Um, it's a new head coach. I'm not going to call it. It's a new head coach for, for USC. So we'll, we'll see. And Fresno state um, though, too. Kellen DeBoer right. left to, uh, Washington. So. You know, I, I, we'll see. I, I, I do like Fresno State. I do like that they were able to retain their quarterback. You know, uh, that's one of the things that Tedford was able to do when his first uh, acts as head coach was to sign. <laughs> you know, th- this whole thing with free agency and transfer portal—it's it, crazy how how amateurism gets thrown out the window, right? These these players are now getting paid to play, but uh, it was cool to see someone commit to the school that they were already at, but, you know, with a different head coach, I, I, I will appreciate that. I mm-hmm. think that that was pretty cool that he was able to get that. So, you know, we'll see, you know, and then, and then they have to go at Oregon state home against Arizona state, Washington state, and then the big game versus Utah. So, you know, I, I can see very easily Southern California coming in the same predicament as Utah as being five and one going into that game. Um, I'm not going to call it and say, yeah, they, they will be five and one, but I'm just looking at it, you know, just, just historically, it, it's going to be pretty hard for one of these other teams to knock them off and make them anything less than five and one So barring, uh, going into that Utah game. Barring, you know, injuries or any of that kind of stuff, we can't predict any of that stuff, but what is it going to take? Well, and we'll just stick with the conference record. What is it going to take in your opinion to be able to get to that championship game? This is, this is the first year where divisions don't matter. So, you know, Utah and USC could play Oregon, Washington, Washington could play. It, it doesn't really matter. How many wins do you think it's going to take in conference play to be able to get into that championship game? It's going to be a lot more difficult than it has been for Utah in the past, you know, where, I mean, last year they had six wins in conference. Uh, I think that they're going to have to, I think that, uh, you know, you you put a number, um, throw it up. I I think that you're going to have to have uh, preferably eight maybe seven um you know it the, there hasn't been an undefeated team through pac-12 conference play since the pac-10 moved to the pac-12 um i don't see that being the case this year with a team going unscathed through the season that's just too difficult um that being said uh i i have a hard time you know looking at usc schedule and seeing you know unless utah <clears throat> um 
unless Utah can beat them and then UCLA can beat them. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to find losses on USC schedule and I'm it's trying, not I'm having a very hard time trying to find them. Right. They, they honestly and, have and, to let down. Right. I mean, I think that's, right. that's where USC has to be. They have to and that, underperform. And that's only with them being marginally better due to sure. more better players. Right. I mean, they've had good coaches walk through their system, but for whatever reason, they just can't put, yeah, they can't put it all together. They haven't been able to put it all together. I mean, Clay Hilton, I, you know, in my opinion, was a was a good coach, but a, a terrible manager of a program, yeah. right? And and we saw the results of that, where he went to a couple of Rose Bowls, but was never really able to to take that next step. And that's why USC fans are super excited because they think that Lincoln Riley will be that next person to be able to do that. We'll see. It's hard to turn a program around in one year. It's hard to change a culture in one year. And so that's that's the uncertainty with USC. But you're looking at their schedule, and it's like, man, like, I mean, seven wins seems <laughs> yeah. kind of like a cakewalk for them uh, in, in Pac-12 play. So, and that's not, I guess that's more of a dig on the other programs in the league. They've just been awful. <laughs> like, they've been really, really bad. Uh, thanks, Colorado. Thanks, Arizona. I mean, come on. Hey, Arizona, hey, they're hey, coming up. I, Arizona, I believe Arizona's it. coming up. They, they had one of the top 25 recruiting classes in the country. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's hard. You know, I, I get it. But you, looking at this, um, I, I, I think if Utah has eight wins in the Pac-12 play, I think it's a shoe-in. I think you get to seven, and I think you, you start to have to have to have some dominoes fall your way. So you're saying um, I need to create another flow chart when we get to that point. Is that what's going to happen? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's probably <laughs> what it's going to take. Like, will it, Utah be in the Pac-12 championship game? Yes, this happens. This happens. It'll those, be so much really more well complex site, now. It, it'll, it'll be so much more complex because mm-hmm. before I could just do a north and a south. And one was usually easier than the other. Now it's like a whole mess of, of, of it. Although it could be easier yeah. too, to some extent, because now you've got teams just vying for the top two spots. So who knows? Right. We'll see. You know, it, it's an exciting, it's an exciting time, right? Like Utah should on paper do really well, but uh, you know, I, it is really well what people want. Are, are people expecting a PAC 12 championship season or bust? You know, I, I, I wouldn't set the, uh, the threshold of my, you know, fan meter is, hey, if Utah doesn't make the Rose Bowl again, like the season's a failure. I wouldn't say that, you know. I I would say, you know, it's hard to get to the, the Rose Bowl. Competing, right? Yeah. I mean, you you look at the Pac-12 programs over the last thirty years. How many teams have made it? You know, how many teams have been able to stand up? And it's a, it's more difficult for the Utahs of the world than it is, you know, for the USC's and the Oregon's of the world. Um, doesn't mean that it can't change. That's just, you know, where we are. Um, I, I, you know, I would say that uh, Utah can just do wonders for its its own confidence in week one. And, you know, if they, they come out, they put a, um, uh, if they're able to control the line of scrimmage against, uh, you know, a, a very fast physical uh, SEC team, then I think that they'll translate very well into Pac-12 play. But th- then becomes the, the 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 mental side of it, right? Like no team in Pac-12 history has been able to 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 go through the whole conference schedule and skates. Can Utah be the first? We'll find out. We'll find out. And if you stayed with us this long. You know, God bless you. You've uh, you've lasted this long and on this podcast. We hope to have more uh, more in depth breakdowns of different things. Obviously, as as the fall, fall season comes upon us, fall camps and everything that way, we'll have you know interviews. We'll have different things that we can bring on here. We'll be able to chat about different things and and be able to uh, 
have some fun instead of talking about some hypotheticals and speculations and and all the different things that way. But uh, uh, I'm I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's it's been fun. Rob and I we talk all the time, but it's good to be able to be back out here and. Uh, we look forward to uh, being able to, to chat with you guys. So um, give us a listen. Make sure you subscribe. We'll try to do this uh, on a regular basis. And make sure that we're uh, doing you proud. Right, Rob? Yeah, enjoy uh, Pacto Media Day. You know, don't uh, don't get lost on the streets of L.A. It's a scary <laughs> place out there. It's a very scary place. You know, I mean, I don't know. No, it's fine. It, it'll be fun. It, it's a fun opportunity, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So uh, uh, we, we, we thank you for listening. Uh, we will uh, check back with you guys later, and uh, thanks for listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast.